Hello, wherever you are in the world today, welcome to Beyond the Art in our series, The Stories That Carry Us. I'm your host, Craig Beaumont Flynn, a citizen of the Cherokee Nation and the Delaware Tribe of Indians. In each episode, we will discuss with various Native American artists, influencers, art leaders, and everyone in between their experiences, the communities they serve, and the translation and interpretation of the Native American art world today. Today we have Tracy Rabbit with us, a Cherokee Nation citizen. Good morning, Tracy. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. We're so excited to have you with us today. What can you tell us about your story? Well, I would say my story thus far is um, I'm a second generation Cherokee artist trying to continue the and build up on the legacy that my dad left me uh, when he passed away in 2012. Okay. Tell us a little about your dad. What what did he teach you? What makes you go in his same path? Oh my goodness. What did he teach me? He taught me so many things. Um, I would say early on, I would describe myself as his little shadow. So whatever my dad was doing, I wanted to do too and be a part of. And when he became, he was always an artist that I could remember, uh, painting and drawing in a spare bedroom in the home that we lived in, in Cherokee Heights, like I had talked about earlier. Um, But it was around 1979, I believe, when he was making jewelry, working two other jobs and painting that my mom encouraged him to do his art full time. So growing up around Native American art my whole life and being Uh, exposed to it, not only, I guess, uh, through local museums, but within the household. I have always been drawn to the arts. I know growing up, a lot of, when you follow in the footsteps, say, of a parent, of a very accomplished parent in the field that they have chosen, it can be daunting. You have the in the shadow syndrome, I guess. So I never thought that I could compete in that arena. I just wanted to to be involved in everything that he was doing. So it just, I, I, I won't say it fell into my lap because I had honestly aspirations of working for my tribe, Cherokee Nation or the Bureau of Indian Affairs as I was growing up. But as the saying goes, when you make plans, God has other plans for you. And that's exactly what happened for me. Well, the DNA that your father gave you kind of probably naturally took a, took a hold. It's like, nope, this direction. (laughs) Yes. Do you feel, do you feel in some of your uh, artwork that you see your father coming through you and translating? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, My dad was a self-taught artist and I was self-taught underneath him. So the only really art classes I had was in junior high school. I did take art in high school, but it was a very relaxed, I will say, atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So my junior high teacher really made an impact on me. And then when I graduated high school, I started at Northeastern State in Tahlequah and had every intention of taking art classes down there until 
Um, my first semester in the fall of 1987, after I graduated, um, I had a conversation with the art instructor or head of the art department at the time, R.C. Coons. And he asked me, so what do you want to do with your life? You know, the normal questions, I guess you ask a young person. And right out of the gate, I said um, the things that I said earlier, work for Cherokee Nation, own an art gallery, work for the, I mean, I was all over the place. And then I said, <laughs> well, I'm possibly um, be an artist. And his response, the only one that I remember was, you'll never make it as a full-time artist. Wow. That just doesn't happen. And my response to him was immediate. (laughs) Your challenge accepted. Uh, My immediate response was I, I can name you three artists right now off the top of my head that are doing it full time. Little did I know at that time um, during my senior year, when I made that statement, of course I named the artist off to him and then I never darkened his door for the four and a half years I was at NSU. Um, I was so mad. I walked across the street to the bookstore, got me a book of degrees and just flipped through it there. And again, God laughs when you make plans because he has other plans for you. And I came up on uh, business administration. This is a true story all in one day. Hmm. Um, and I thought, OK, well, this covers marketing. This covers accounting. This covers all kinds of things. And I changed the the trajectory of my college years that day and got my bachelor's in business administration, which has been invaluable. Uh, so God knew exactly what he had in store for me. Yeah. He had set your path and let you hear it. What inspires yes. you in your artwork? I would say today I am inspired by strong native women. I, I was raised by strong wi- women and I've always admired them. I remember right after I graduated high school, Wilma Mankiller was chief of the Cherokee Nation and and what an example she was in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. In the early years, there was also Joan Hill, Dana Tiger. I I was a big fan of, of women and their art. And I remember thinking at the age of, gosh, I think the first time I seen these ladies... And Dana, in particularly at an art show, I was probably 14 and I seen her at Colorado Indian Market downtown Denver. And I remember the thought process. If I can only have a booth one day and do my art like Dana, I will have made it. And I remember her being a very strong influence on my on myself um, as well as my dad. So what mm-hmm. inspires me now, I would say my my work is concentrated on portraying uh, Native American women from all nations, not not just Cherokee, um, but from all nations. Fantastic. So when you heard that voice in your head and your path was set for you, um, what made you gear yourself towards Native American artistry instead of traditional artistry? Mm, I would say it was because of my surroundings, my heritage, how I was raised, what my dad was doing. I was influenced by everything around me. So I was just gravitated toward that, that uh, specific arena of art. Mm-hmm. 
Do you feel that the cultural and uh, historical elements of the Cherokee Nation and Cherokee people inspires you today? Are you looking at it, this is who we are, this is who we grown to be, and this is our path forward? I would say that um, Cherokee culture and heritage, it it is within me. Mm-hmm. It inspires me. But is it the totality of my work? No. Is it in specific works I do? Yes. Those works tell a story. They tell our history. They tell our iconography, our, you know, our Southeast designs. Um, those pieces tell a story. But on the other hand, I believe my work is, I don't know, maybe universal to different um, different cultures, different people from all over. So I want mm-hmm. to appeal to as many people as I can and to many socioeconomic uh, strata that I can through my reproductions. Telling the story and having the Cherokee and woman inspiration behind what drives you, are you trying to also relate that theme and that story continuously throughout your artwork? Yes, I would say so. Definitely. Definitely. I think over time, my art has evolved from when Mm -hmm. I first started and when my dad was teaching and going back to the question that you asked, do I see elements of my dad in my work? Absolutely. Because he was the one that taught me. Now, in the beginning, did I use all of those tools in my tool chest? No, I didn't because I wanted people to see my work for myself and not just him. But towards the end of my dad's time here, I felt it was I felt I had been around long enough, maybe and done enough shows with him that people say, oh, well, this is Tracy's work. This is Bill's work. And then towards like I said, towards the end of his time here, I felt it was okay to start incorporate incorporating some of those techniques and honoring his style along with my style. And it's, I feel it has become a mix. A little combination of each. So your father still speaks yes. to you. <laughs> Don't forget about this, on a, daily, <laughs> on a daily basis, sometimes I can hear him, come on, sis, it's time to get to work. <laughs> you, you know, you're doing these other things. You got all these irons in the fire, but l- let's get back. Let's get back to painting. So do you have a process when you when you hear your father and, and you're inspired by something that you see or that you've read about or part of your cultural elements? Is there something that is in your process? Do you sketch or do you draw and or you just start going to your canvas and the work speaks for itself? The story comes. So through, my, my process um, may be a little different than most. Um, I am a full-time artist. My only income is through my art and that has been my sole income along with when my dad was here. Um, So when I come into the studio, I'm looking at, because I have a large wholesale business, Mm -hmm. and as a lot of people know, I do a lot of reproductions, and everything is done in my studio by my family. So my art process, when I can carve out time, I would love it if I could come into the studio and paint every day and exercise my imagination, but that is not the path that I have chosen. So my time is divided. And like right now, I'm in the middle of tax season. 
because yeah. being an LLC, I have to have my taxes done this week. Yeah. But my creative process, when I go into that, I shut the studio off. I come into the back room. I do not do a lot of sketching, but I do keep a notebook of ideas that I don't think I can paint every thought or idea that I have written down in my lifetime. So when I get back here, it takes me about a week, honestly, to decompress, to clean up my art room back here to my satisfaction. And then I just, I dive in. I have a, maybe a, I look through my notebook to my simple sketches because I'm not a big sketch person. My dad wasn't a big sketch person. Mm -hmm. So you have to keep in mind being trained by him and him being definitely self-taught that our process is probably much different than a trained artist uh, that say took a lot of classes or I don't know, has a degree in art. Our process is just different. So once I get into that mode, then that's all I want to do is create and paint. Fantastic. Have you gone back to that teacher? Have you ever seen that teacher that said uh, you couldn't do it full time now? So you guess what? <laughs> um, no, I have not. No? <laughs> I have not. But I, I am here to say that one of his good friends came by the studio, did buy an original piece of art. And it was interesting how the name even came up. And long story short, I told him, I said, well, you tell Mr. Coons that Tracy Rabbit's done okay. She's done okay. <laughs> She's doing it full time. Yeah. <laughs> She's doing it full time. Doing it full time. <laughs> Do you think it's an important factor, you know, since a lot of our elders are passing, um, that we get the information that they gave us? and continue that uh, element of learning and the knowledge that is with them before they pass. So we continue to, I guess, to grow as a, as a peoples. Um, Do you think that's an important factor or do you think we're kind of like already losing touch with our, our history and those elders and what they learned and what they could teach us? No, I think it's a very important aspect of who we are and what we do and moving forward. I am hopeful for future generations that they are listening. I'm thankful for um, things like OCO TV, Cherokee Nation, and all the programs that they are implementing in working with our elders to not only share their art form, but to share our language, to share the education, to share their life experiences so that we as younger generation don't necessarily always have to learn from our experience. Mm -hmm. We can listen and watch what they have done and to move forward in a, I don't know, while maintaining who we are as a people, but also moving forward into the future. I think Mm -hmm. Cherokees have always been uh, innovative and adapted to what has ever, whatever has been thrown at them. And I, and I'm very hopeful for the younger generation, but I do feel it's important that we document, that we film, that we record Um, our elders, because they are passing at a, it seems like at a very high rate. And every time an elder passes, an encyclopedia of knowledge goes with them. Yeah. Forever. And they can never gain it back because it's instilled with them. They know it. And if they don't pass it on, do you think it's an important factor, educational um, related, that youth see the variance of directions they could go um, about their culture and their people? 
since the educational uh, factor of schools doesn't really teach the arts, as you said before, you know, <clears throat> you don't gain all that knowledge. Do you think it's it's important to the tribes to fulfill that instead of being left alone in the educational system? Absolutely, because our educational system, as Native people, it is, it is definitely not taught. Um, mm-hmm. I think, like I said earlier, Cherokee Nation, OCO TV, they are showcasing Cherokee heritage through our lens, through how we perceive it, and how it will, how it is. Um, I think it will help the younger generation this documentation to know who we are as a people, and hopefully, it will never be lost. Right, right. And that they can move forward in their own way to navigate, um, whether it's through art or anything else. Yeah, our story has to be heard from us, not from second or third removed. Um, I think Correct. it's an important factor. Have you seen in the last couple of years, you know, where the it factor in the art world, um, the urban flow, do you think we're at the point of where we're continuously to move forward and being recognized as a solidified art in the national and global scale? Or do you think we'll, you know, we'll go back down and then we'll become the it factor again in a few years? I think as far as native art or any art, it's cyclical. Mm-hmm. Um, things that are old become new again. Right. It Like, like right now in fashion, I kind of laugh that things that I wore in high school or different styles, I mean, they're popular again. There's no difference in art. Um, You know, right now, native art, it's at the forefront, but native art has always been here. We've always been here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Do we have a seat, seat at the table in the art community right now? Absolutely. But I do believe it's cyclical. You will have your ebbs, your flows, your highs, your lows. Uh, but as Native artists, we've always been here, and hopefully we will continue to be here. Right. I think a lot of the um, media and films and television, you know, we've become the it factor because we are telling our story. You've seen more Native Americans in the art world, in fashion, in music, in TV, in film. And we discussed briefly before we went on air about uh, Res Dogs, you know, and how that's being portrayed and it's betrayed, being portrayed by Native American actors. Uh, telling the story. Um, so I think it's an important factor that we continue that and not, uh, as you could say, get the white man to tell our story and painted face and everything else. So are you part of the uh, art movement, uh, various markets? Uh, do you have any exhibits coming up? Uh, the next exhibit that I will be doing will be with the uh, Cherokee National Treasures, and that's in Washington, D.C., Cherokee Days. Mm-hmm. So, um, I got the, I was humbled to receive that honor in 2020. Uh, my dad received that honor in 2011. And so oh, this wow. year I will be traveling with a group of treasures to DC uh, for that. And I'm very excited and humbled to be a part of that. It still honestly hasn't, I guess, sunk in that I'm a national treasure <laughs> because I became a treasure during COVID. <laughs> Oh, wow. 2020, <laughs> where there was, uh, I'm a COVID treasure, uh, where there was no, I guess you would say, pomp and circumstance of um, the dinner, the all of that, which was right, okay right. with me because I've always, I've always been okay being in the background. I can, I can talk about my dad and his accomplishments all day long. 
for me, it's a little bit more difficult. I think we were raised or I was raised. You don't brag about what you do, what you accomplish. And so this has been a new area for me to navigate. In your studio, do you actually mentor young uh, women in the arts? I mentor anybody that wants to walk through that door. I have a lot of young people will message me. And then I also do tours for like third grade through sixth grade. They will come to the studio. And dad and I have done that for years. And Mm -hmm. it's so exciting to see these young adults now come back years later and say, hey, I remember coming to your studio when I was in third grade and and I'm following my dream of doing art or I'm in school and I want to be an art teacher. So you feel like you played a very, very small part of this human's um, pathway. And it's exciting right. to see them succeed and be joyful in what, uh, what they're pursuing. Absolutely. It's nice to see them succeed in their own path of success. Do you feel that that is an important factor that all artists should actually participate in that in teaching since as we just said and discussed before you know our elders are passing away so now we're at the helm and at the pulpit kind of showing where where we've been where we're going and where we need to be and that we need to be a part of that process do you think more artists need to facilitate that and maybe um uh maker studios and things like that Um, I think that's an interesting concept. I think that um, each individual artist's way of teaching or passing on what they have learned to future generation is different. So for me, I love the younger kids because they are so open. They're so honest. Um, I think that especially the older that I get, I feel that it's very important that we give that or pass that information on to the younger generation, Um, especially in the traditional arts. That's how that is going to stay alive. Your basket weavers, your, your potters, whether it be traditional pottery or contemporary pottery. I do feel we have a um, responsibility uh, to the younger generation. If they want to listen, if they want Mm -hmm. to learn, yes, to be available to answer those questions for the, for the young people. I think it helps us overall expand and continue forward as a, as a people and a culture. When you look at your uh, artwork and you start painting, are you inspired by potters, by basket weavers, by uh, the fashion uh, or other elements of the art world? Oh, I'm inspired by it all. Yeah. I am inspired by it all. Um, I would say with all the, uh, the traveling that, that, first of all, being able to travel with my dad at a very young age, I was exposed to uh, indigenous people from many tribes, many um, disciplines of art. Mm-hmm. And I would say, yes, it continually um, motivates me, inspires me, uh, number one, to be better, to incorporate more of my history, to tell my story. Because after we're gone, it is the art that we created that is left that continues to tell our story. For example, I mean, my dad, I can look at the plethora of art that he did. And the one thing that I admired about him was he never put himself in a box. He never said, I'm going to do this particular style. He was like five artists in one body. Um, (laughs) So being mentored by somebody like that and also being a Vietnam veteran, he taught me a lot. He taught me a lot about work ethic 
that nothing's free. If you want it, go get it. Work hard for it. So I come from that kind of background Mm -hmm. and um, I'm very thankful for it. Is there a piece that stands out in your mind that your father did? It's like, I want to achieve that. And if you feel that you have achieved that, what piece do you feel that sets you at the, the height that makes you proud of yourself of what your father taught you? Hmm. Um, I feel as an artist, the next painting that I'm going to do is always going to be the better one. Hmm. I, I, I don't know if I, we talked about the in the shadow syndrome. I don't know if right. personally I will ever feel like I have achieved that. Um, but I will say that the pieces that we collaborated on, that I got to work with him on, and all of those pieces are owned by Cherokee Nation. Those are probably the most um, special pieces to me and that he believed in me enough to ask me to do those pieces with him because they're very important pieces. Um, I hope that answered the question. <laughs> it does. No, it's very heartwarming to, to, to hear that. Are you are you surprised by any piece in the responses got that you've done? I would say that I I'm always humbled and surprised when I receive letters or cards in the mail from people telling me how this piece inspired them on a very personal or spiritual level. And when that happens, I feel like that I am living my purpose. Can I pinpoint it down to one piece? No, no I can't. Um I'm always looking forward I guess, to the next piece that I'll create. So Tracy, you're part of the the art circuit. Do you feel that it's an important factor to participate in that? Um, Yes, I will say that in 2020, that changed for me because I did not have any shows. You know, of course, in March, I will say March of 2020, uh, when all the shows were canceled. But prior to that, I have been doing the show circuit since I was about 16. And this year I'm 50, I'll be 54 this year. Um, so it was a little strange <laughs> pulling, pulling back from, from the art, I guess, art circuit. There was a time when me and dad, we did one to two shows, 12 months out of the year. We were on the road. I mean, we were serious road warriors. <laughs> um, and so when I pulled back in 2020, not being on the road, it gave me time to reflect. And to see that all the hard work that we had done prior and having my website uh, and developing that end of it and the wholesale side of it, it was in 2020 when I seen the payoff of all the the hard work I had done Mm -hmm. before. And so the show circuit, as you say, I think it is important to, to be seen, to connect with your collectors on a personal level. Um, but also it's a personal choice. It's a personal choice. It's it's time consuming. It is time consuming. Like you said, it is very time consuming. Yes. Pack up your life and pack up your goods and go on the road. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The traveling circus sometimes, but then you have your extended family on the road that you love seeing those artists that over the years they have become your close friend, your, your family. And the only time that you'll get to see those is on the show circuit, as you said. Right. Right. Are you currently exhibiting anywhere? Um, any galleries or. 
I deal with a lot of gift shops, stores, uh, museums, national parks, and that's where I have worked very diligently and um, had a plan with the reproductions that we do um, for over, I guess, 20, maybe 22 years now. We've produced our own coffee mugs, um, art tiles, all the things. I do all the jacle printing, and I'm looking over here at my studio um, <laughs> I employ several, several family members here. So I feel like I have a lot of responsibility on my shoulders, uh, to continue to do that and to, um, make sure the world, the nation, I'm going to say the world, because with the World Wide web that they never forget who Bill Rabbit was. So I feel a heavy, um, responsibility to do that. So you continue your father's legacy. Absolutely. As part of, as part Absolutely. of your own endeavor and uh, artistry. Do you, do you see an interest in his work uh, rise since his passing? You know, it's kind of funny um, that before he passed, you would, you would hear of other artists passing. And then all of a sudden there was just this, this craze for that person's work because they, they have passed and the value goes up. What I will say about dads is it's never slowed down. Did it pick up? I don't, I can't honestly say I noticed that probably because I was in uh, the deep grieving process for a couple of years after he passed. Um, But what I will say is that he is still getting new collectors even after him being gone 10 years, it'll be 11 years this year. Wow. So I feel like I'm doing a good job keeping his name out there and keeping his art on the forefront of uh, what I'm doing as well. You know, it's interesting that before he passed, probably I would say about 10 years before he passed, we started archiving everything that he painted everything. So there are still pieces that the public has not seen yet. And that was deliberate. Um, It was a business plan, if you want to say that, that me and my dad had talked about. That way he was preparing me for his passing. I didn't see it at the time, but I definitely do now. And he was preparing me for, okay, so every year you release two new images of my work (laughs) that people haven't seen. And he, he set me up for that. He was, he was a, a very smart entrepreneurial person. Very, very savvy. Yes. <laughs> Keep them wanting yes. more. <laughs> yes, absolutely. He always thought outside the box and didn't only think about today, but he thought 10, 20 years down the road. Fantastic. Yeah, very, very savvy man. It's, I mm-hmm. call it the Da Vinci uh, syndrome, you know. They're great. Mm-hmm. But they're really great when they're gone and people really take notice and, it, you know, the mm-hmm. value goes up and mm-hmm. has more recognition. Yes. <clears throat> I look back on his career, Craig, and, um, you know, he he really was on the leading forefront of reproductions. When reproductions or licensing with big big companies was not always a popular idea mm-hmm. uh, for Native artists. But... I remember him telling me, nobody pays my bills but Bill Rabbit. And he was a hustler. <laughs> he was a hustler. 
And he wanted everybody, whether it be a note card, a magnet, um, a calendar. I mean, he was out there trying to, um, I guess, be on the forefront of that movement. Now, it's really kind of common practice. You see a lot of artists doing that. And being a painter where we are able to do reproductions on different different um, media, substrates, whatever, it is easier for a painter to do that. Right, and so right. he was definitely, I feel, on the leading edge of that when it was not always popular. Well, now they call it creating a brand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not so yes. much your artistry, but you're creating your brand. So, yeah. Bill Rabbit <laughs> created a brand starting in the early 90s. Do you feel, Tracy, that sometimes you want to go out of your comfort zone and really take risk in your artistry? Sure, sure. Um, I think that art is ever-evolving. Every artist, for myself personally, what is going on in my personal life Mm -hmm. comes out on the canvas. Mm -hmm. Do I want to stretch those boundaries? Yes. Uh, Do I want to continue to create that brand as we were just talking about? Yes. having the time has always been the problem for me because I would say that I am equal left brain as I am right brain. I enjoy the business of art as well as creating the art. Do, do you take the risk in other mediums like pottery or uh, fashion basket weaving, any of those uh, or anything else that catches your eye? No, No, I will say, I have, I, I fooled around with pottery a little bit. Tama got me to right after my dad passed, she was a very dear and sweet friend and she was getting into her pottery and I learned real quick. That is not my Avenue. That is not the lane that is for for me. (laughs) Um, but I think that really the only thing I, I love painting I love painting. I love painting in acrylic. Um, I have dabbled in oil, but once you get accustomed to acrylic and how fast it dries, oil is frustrating to me. I want to get a hairdryer out and try to dry it quicker. <laughs> um, and I, like I said, I did not take art classes in college or anything. So I being self-taught, I just have to jump in there. And my dad was the same way. If we wanted to learn something, you just jump in there and try it. A lot of failures, but through your failures, you learn. And that, um, but what I do see in my future is doing collaborative work with my brother. My brother has the gift of three dimensional. Um, he loves uh, the clay and I can, and we've already, planned out a couple of pieces that we will do together where my, I guess, calling expertise or whatever you want to call it will come into play with his three dimensional. So I'm looking forward to looking really forward to uh, collaborating with my brother, Billy. Have you guys set um, a design or element, how that collaboration is going to be created or is it just going to come naturally when you two work together? Um, No, we have talked about specifics. He just has to get there in his journey because he he's new at clay. He's uh, he is taking classes with uh, Troy Jackson right now. Okay. um, And I'd love to watch 
how his style is evolving. He's very contemporary, but I can see a mix of his and a mix of mine coming together into something that uh, will pay homage, I guess you could say, to um, the groundwork that my dad laid with his style. And so we'll be able to incorporate all three of us in one piece. That is my hope. The rabbit legacy continues forward. Get the whole family yes. together and create it. Yes, that, we that talked, is my we, hope. <laughs> we talked about your process. So when you start creating your artwork and painting, do you go in a zone? Do you just like black everything else out and you just focus on what you're doing and it comes through your fingers? Absolutely. When, when I go into the creative process, um, there are two parts to my studio. After my dad passed, um, I added onto the back. And so from the front where the production and the marketing, the shipping, everything goes on, I will close off a sliding glass door and my family knows don't interrupt her. She's <laughs> in her space. Uh, the music will be blaring. And once I get into that creative zone, I can go 10 to 12 hours and not even take a break. I mean, it's, wow. it's almost like you're, I don't want to use the, the word possessed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, I, you're just in that zone right. and that's all I want to do. I don't want to talk on the phone. I don't want to write a paycheck. I really don't want to pay an electric bill when I'm in that <laughs> zone. But as I mentioned earlier, when you're running a business, you're not always afforded afforded that. So mm -hmm. when I'm in that zone, um, it's easier for me to go up front, do the daily activities that I need to do as far as running my business. And then I can come right back here in the back, close that door and get right back in the zone immediately. So it doesn't take near as long. But it takes right, me right. about a week, honestly, to gear up to to get into that place of creativity and to leave the rest of the world um, over to the side for a moment. So you turn them off and you go to town. So when you, yes. when you are in your mad artist uh, place, do you step back mm -hmm. for a moment and look at it and kind of see where you're going? Or are you just so in that moment and go nonstop? So the one thing that my dad did teach me is that I don't work on one piece at a time. I work on five. Wow. And so that so is your hands going and everywhere. Five is a minimum. <laughs> yes. I, wow. I use my dad's very, very large easel. So when I'm working on backgrounds, mm -hmm. I, I do have a, con a concept or I get in my book. Like I told you, I'll, I'll write down cause I'm not a, I guess a detailed sketcher. I'll, I'll do an idea and then I'll make a couple of notes. And so I'll get that notebook out. I'm like, okay, yeah, I want to do this, this, and this. And one idea leads into another, into another, into another. But when my first part of my process, like I said earlier, is to clean my space, light a candle, say my prayers. Um, then I get the canvas out. Then I get my notebook out. Then I decide, okay, I'm going to do this one. I'm going to do this one. I get my paint ready. And then when I'm doing my backgrounds, I literally will do five to 10 backgrounds at once. Wow. My dad taught me this process, number one, because you don't waste paint. And paint is expensive. 
And so once my backgrounds are done, I'll set all of these canvases aside and I'm like, okay, this one's my favorite. This one's my favorite. I'll line them out one through five. For example, I'm going to work on these five first and I will switch. I'll mix the paint, say for the, uh, the flesh tone and there and again, not wanting to waste paint. I'll paint that color on the first one. And then I'll go to the second one, the third one, the fourth one, the fifth one. It sounds like an assembly line, but it's a very effective uh, way of painting for myself in the fact that I get a break and I'm not staring at one piece continually where I remember my dad telling me, you need to know when to pull back from that piece. You Mm -hmm. need to know when it is complete. And when you're working on five, let's say five at a time, you get that break from each piece. So you see it differently every time you mix a different color, you're able to have that break. So it's a system of creativity that I learned from him that uh, works very well for me to this day. So when you step back and you see in the light where that piece is going, do you change your mind? Or do you say, okay, you set forth this this perspective, this idea, and move forward? Some some are are very direct, and you move forward with that idea. Some, mm-hmm. yes, they do change. Like, oh, okay, yes, I had this in mind, but during the process, I don't I don't like that idea anymore, and so I change <laughs> it. That that is what's fun about acrylic. You can continue to layer it without it getting muddy. Right. Right. It kind of morphs into something else, you know, changes yes. its life or its mm-hmm. story and the interpretation. Or it takes on a life of its own. It'll just right, take on right. a life of its own. And same way with the title. Sometimes you know immediately what you're going to title a piece. And then others are like, what, what is it saying to me? What is it? Others, they take a little bit to evolve. Like there's mm-hmm. a piece right now. Um, it's, a, it's a big triptych. And it's 10 feet total in length. Um, And I've been working on it now five years. And it'll get done when it's supposed to get done. Uh, But it's a very involved woodland piece uh, with a lot of detail. Um, So I just, when I come to a place that I know it is no longer flowing, that means I should take a break from it. And when the spirit moves me, I, I will finish that piece. So every That's piece amazing. has a life of its own. And some are just possessed and they never get finished. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do commission work as well? Um, I do do commission work um, when I take on a commission. Uh, when you do it full time for a living, um, not to say you'll do anything, but I do commissions within boundaries of what they know I can do. I'm not a portrait artist. I love painting women, but they're not portraits. They are just a reflection, like I said earlier, of um, the world as I see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as commissions, the most um, I will ask a collector is, what color do you like? Because I like all colors. And mm-hmm. I tell them I will do, because I cannot see in their head, of what they want, but I will do to the best of my ability of the style of work that I do. And hopefully they're happy with it. I, I've been blessed to, um, to do a lot of commissions. 
and uh, to have a lot of happy collectors. Now we talked about your father um, having a lot of uh, products still that is archived that hasn't been released. Do you feel any of your pieces that you, it's your baby and you can't let go yet? No, no, no. never. <laughs> you just no, sell it? And it's and gone. I'll, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Um, because there and again, I was raised uh, by a parent that did whatever it took to raise three children while being an artist. Mm -hmm. And so with that philosophy in mind, um, he never kept a piece. I take that back. He did keep one piece that he did uh, that portrayed Vietnam, which he did not do very many. And it did hang in our home for the longest time. And finally, my mom said, you know, that piece was meant to be shared, Bill. Nobody um, will see this piece in our living room. And so he did finally part with that piece. And Cherokee Nation is the uh, recipient of that piece. But do I hope I don't even own any of my work, right? And my <laughs> I I don't even have a piece. My mom has several pieces. Uh, right. My sister does. And that's it. I have Not to pay the light bill. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I, I will, uh, if a collector falls in love with it, that is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to share my art. So what's next for Tracy rabbit? What's next for me is, um, the, I'm gearing up for, of course, Washington DC. And then I got asked again to come back to Yellowstone. So I'll be going there again in June. So I'm looking forward to that. And then we roll right into uh, getting ready for tourist season with uh, all the national parks, with our reproductions. And that is a very large part of my business. And um, hopefully I'll get into Santa Fe. And then the year before we know it, it's Christmas. I mean, it, it just, it the older you get, the quicker it goes by. I remember our elders telling us that when we were younger. And it is just so true. So true. You got time, just do it. Just do it. Yes. Yes. So, so is there any goals that you have not hit yet as an artist that you think, I still need to do that? I still want to achieve that? Oh, goodness. You know, I've really never given that much thought, honestly. You're too busy paying the bills and <laughs> cranking it out. And <laughs> uh, Yes. Yes. Um. Gosh, I don't know. I Every artist's goals and their way they navigate their career is different. Mm -hmm. And I would say that early on, like, like for me, I don't, er, early on I did. I did enter student art shows, a couple art shows right out of high school um, to, I guess, get the recognition to, possibly win a ribbon but then that went to the wayside very quickly because my dad threw me into a very large ocean and he said sis <laughs> I can open the doors for you but you're going to have to walk through them and he instilled in me every time that a collector spends their hard-earned money they can take that dollar and spend it anywhere in the world but when they mm -hmm. spend it with you it's a blue ribbon every time and I've never forgot that philosophy ever because it's so true. 
And I never take for granted my collectors because what I do for a living is gambling. I gamble for a living. I have no guaranteed paycheck, nothing. If I want to pay the light bills, I said earlier, I have to hustle. I have Mm -hmm. to be self-motivated. I have to get up. I come to work. I treat this like a job. And it's not a nine to five job normally. It's a seven day a week job. Um, it's something that a hobby or a passion turned into a blessing to where I get paid to do what I love, truly blessed. And I'm able to help my family, um, as well. And so the, I guess the things that maybe I took for granted when my dad was here and how hard he worked, um, became very evident after he passed. Mm-hmm. It uh, it's a heavy load that I that I carry, uh, continue to carry, not lightly, and not to forget all the sacrifices that he made for me. Very very evident, very moving. Um, but he was a wise man, and he created a brilliant artist in you. <laughs> I just hope that I do him proud, and I hope that I do my family proud. And that I'm able to encourage the next generation within my family. Um, Like right now, my niece and my nephew, they're up front in the studio. Uh, They're here. She, um, I'm so proud of her because she did take the art classes at NSU and all the things that I guess I missed out on maybe. But like I said earlier, God had a plan for me. And I feel like um, that I am living my purpose. I truly do. Truly. Fantastic. And we'll see many rabbit artists in the forthcoming years. <laughs> well, I, I hope so. I hope so. But they have to have the want to. This this life is not yeah. for everybody. It is okay. it is not for everybody. It takes. And that, you know that was something. That I would, I, yes, you have to have that drive, the determination, the tenacity to move um, forward uh, when people tell you no, like the instructor. Mm-hmm. And every time I've been told no, I figure out a way to go around the no. I've always been that person. And I guess because I was raised by strong parents that never told me I could not do anything. The world was wide open. Whatever you want to do, we're behind you a thousand percent. So I was blessed with really good parents and supportive parents. Well, Tracy Rabbit, it has been a pleasure to have you on our show. And I thank you so much. Um, this has been thoroughly enjoyable for me. Is there anything else you want to add before we say goodbye? Um, now just, just thank you for everything that you're doing and sharing artist stories, um, in the digital age. I think podcasts and things like that are a way of the future that are not going away. And I think it's important. So thank you for your talent and your time. And thank you for asking me to be on. Uh, well, thank you, Tracy. Thank you so much. Well, I look forward to talking to you soon. Take care. All right, you too.